welcome to the good, the bad, and the sequel Q&A. My name's Doug. The next sequel that we're going to be covering is a Valentine's Day-ish sequel. It's called Mirror Mirror 3, The Voyeur. It has an awesome cast. It has a young Mark Ruffalo, Billy Drago, Elizabeth Baldwin, man, David Naughton from American Werewolf in London. But most importantly, as this week's guest, actress, Monique Parent. Monique's kind of the reason that we're doing this movie. I've always wanted to interview her. When I saw her name on Twitter, I was like, oh my God, I remember her from so many movies growing up. And then I watched her in a movie called Jurassic City when I was getting ready to interview Vernon Wells because he was in it. And it was so cool to be able to connect with her and tell her how much I loved her work over the years because my age fits when her career sort of started. So that was my like B movie watching days was seeing her in a bunch. I remember my dad renting night eyes three or borrowing it from a buddy. It was, it was Shannon Tweed and Andrew Stevens and Shannon Tweed's sister, like kind of like that romantic thriller. And she was in it. So I remember her from that. And it was just so cool to hear her perspective, you know, her journey to Hollywood coming from a small town in California and then taking her and her cat and going to LA and chasing her dream. And she made it happen. So we talked about her career, some credits over the, you know, along the way, which I love to do, but I love talking about what she's up to nowadays. She just had a movie come out on Lifetime Movie Network a few weeks back starring her and former guest and friend of the podcast, uh, Sean Kanan, Karate's Bad Boy. It was It's called Killer Ambition. It's on the Lifetime Movie Network. I'll put the link in the episode notes so you can check that out. Also, her website, uniquemonique.com. Love that name. So uniquemonique.com. And then also her YouTube channel. We started talking about it at the end of the interview. Then I lost power, and she was so kind to hold on, but... Didn't come back on for like 12 hours, which kind of sucked because it was cold. But uh, we made it. We made it through it. But yeah, so I'll put her YouTube channel. She has a ton of subscribers. She really helps out women, or really anyone, I guess, but really for tailored towards women that have gray hair because she ditched dying and she went straight gray. And there's not a lot out there when it comes to makeup tutorials and fashion for people with gray hair. So, uh, she took the ball and ran with it, and she's doing that, and she's doing great. So she was a blast to talk to. Before I start the interview, please, please subscribe wherever you're listening. Review, rate, share us. Follow us on all social media, at Sequels Only. And then you can watch Mirror Mirror 3 on Plex TV. So you can find it online, or you can watch it, you know, really on any app, on like a Roku or a Fire Stick. Or if you want, I'm going to make like a best of that I'm going to put on my Twitter. So uh, that'll be on our Twitter at sequels only because the movie's bonkers. It's so bonkers. And Jamie's going to hate me for watching it, but enough with that. Now it's time for the amazing Monique parent. It is um, a mural. It's wallpaper. Nice. Yeah. I bought it like seven years ago when I wasn't even living any place that, you know, is just in a rental and I carried around, I schlepped it around until I had a place to, to put it in. Did you do it yourself? <laughs> uh, I did it with my boyfriend. Uh, he had, it's the he worst. Had... <laughs> he, uh, he was really, really good and really patient with me. Oh, nice. Okay. He had done it before. I had never done it. Oh, uh- <laughs> The worst is taking off. I, it, it stinks to put on, but 
taking it off is we bought an old house. We're in yes. Jersey. We bought an old uh, Victorian and it took forever to the point that we just painted over it. One of the rooms, it was like that vinyl one from like the 30s. So we just painted over it. Yeah. Yeah. I love peel and stick wallpaper. I did that in my old place. Yeah. And it was awesome. When I moved, I just pulled it off and like threw it away. <laughs> well, this is awesome. I'm happy that we connected because I- I'm going to be honest with you. I've known you for years, maybe given my I've age. Been around for a long time. <laughs> well, you have, but you really look the same. I watch a few of your older things. Like I watch Mirror Mirror 3, which that movie is crazy. That was a trip. And- oh. That was a crazy to shoot. Oh, I bet. I bet. Yeah. And then another one, we'll talk about more of it a little bit later, but like The Catcher, I don't know how I've never seen that before. It's on YouTube, the full movie, but that is the craziest horror movie ever. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I've been hiding in plain sight for many years. That's awesome. So how did it all begin? You grew up in California, right? Grew up in California, and I was um, sorry, uh, reading glasses. No, <laughs> <laughs> so, you are they're they're new, the bifocals, and so now for the first time, I'm wearing glasses. To you, you are clearer with the glasses on, <laughs> but I'm used to not wearing glasses, so it's, That's fine. <laughs> I'm used to everything being fuzzy. I grew up in California. I I was three and a half years old and I was obsessed with ballerinas. And I demanded that my parents put me in ballet class. And, you know, they had never had a kid before. They thought, okay, yeah, okay, she's very insistent. Let's do it. And it was just, I was off and running from that point on. I did my first uh, theater production when I was nine. And uh, I was really active with the community theater. Then I moved to Los Angeles when I was 24. Wow. What what made the, was it always theater? Because I know a lot of people, their first love and really a lot of actors and people, like actresses I talk to, like their real love is theater, but theater doesn't pay the bills. Theater doesn't pay the bills. <laughs> it does not. You know, it took me a while to learn to find the same satisfaction in a film. I haven't done a play in a long time, and I can't imagine dedicating that much time to something that none of your friends come see. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's, a, it's, it's weird seeing it out from start to finish, you know, and living that whole experience from start to finish versus those tiny little pieces in film. But but I've learned, you know, you figure out how to find the satisfaction in it. Yeah. The, I, the only, the huge difference, I'm sure, is like just not seeing that reaction. Unless you're in the movie theater or you're peering over your neighbor's shoulder and they're watching on their TV. You don't see people actually enjoying your work, at least when you're on stage, like yeah. a comedian, like that rush of getting that. You, you feel it. You feel it from the crew. Oh, cool. You do feel it from the crew. You You, you can feel the energy. When a take goes well, the entire crew is happy about it. So, you know, you can feel <laughs> when things go well. That's good. It's just a different, it's a different energy. <laughs> so 24, you go to LA. Did you have any connections? Like, did you know anybody out here already? No, nobody, not a single person. 
It's like I drove down with my cat and my cat, you know, we're small town cats. She's looking out the windows like these buildings are way high up there. <laughs> so what was your first, what was the first thing in your mind? Did you have like a first step? Was it like find a job or did yeah. you go right into it? I had, I had worked, I had worked as an extra on back when I lived in San Luis Obispo, I worked as an extra on the film, My Blue Heaven. Oh, nice. Steve Martin film. Great movie. Yeah. And every scene that I worked on as an extra, for some reason, once the actress came in to the room, I was no longer in that scene, but so they kept calling me to set. And finally they said, okay, let's just make her be a stand-in. So I worked as Carol Kane's stand-in, which was terrific yeah. and way better than being an extra. And, you know, I got to be right there and, and, and learn so much. And that was super exciting. So when I was on that set, um, somebody, Seth, I can't remember his last name. Here it is 31 years later. Uh, <laughs> he told me to go to the Beverly Hills Playhouse. And so I came and my, as soon as I moved to, to LA, I went to the Beverly Hills Playhouse and I immediately started studying and it was wonderful. The standing thing, and I talked to a few people and that was where they learned so much. Like, cause until you get to be that person that they're blocking the shots up and setting everything up for, you won't know. So at least you have that opportunity while you're standing there, you're like soaking everything in. Yeah. Yeah. It it was just like, yeah, I want this world. <laughs> <laughs> Ever since three and a half. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, I've always just wanted this. I've always wanted to perform. I've always felt, um, you know, I would be that little kid who was in the front yard playing princess and, and being, you know, dramatic. <laughs> <laughs> I've always just been that way. <laughs> so the first, so you go to the Beverly Hills Playhouse. How long were you there before you were starting to audition? Like when you got Secret Games? I spent a year studying before I ever went out on my first audition. And my manager, Robert Lombard, who still represents me. Nice. We have separated and gone our different ways. And then we have come back together. Nice. And so he still reps me for some things. He's like, okay, do this one project. No, we don't ever want you to do nudity, but you'll do it this one time because you're going to get your SAG card. So I auditioned for it. And on my first audition, I booked my first job and got my SAG card. Wow. Nice. Which is like impossible to do. I know. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. So, Usually it's like guy at bar, girl at table, and you got sad card first time yeah. out a sad card right in there <laughs> and you know it hasn't been you know i've never paid the bills as an actor it's it's never paid the bills but i wouldn't trade it for anything yeah you love it that's a you know that's what it's all about mm -hmm. other people like you know play basketball as a hobby and not saying it's a hobby for you but i'm saying that is your love you know mm-hmm that's so yeah. great. Yeah. And then on that movie, you worked with Billy, Billy Drago was on that movie. And then obviously yes. years later, you work with him on mirror, mirror three. 
And it's so cool when I talk to people and I look up and down their IMDb because I'm serious. Like I've seen some of the movies you were in more of the later ones. I actually watched Jurassic city because I chatted with uh, Vernon Wells. So I always like to watch different movies throughout people's IMDb. But one of you, I don't even know if I think it what might have been on YouTube, but Buford's Beach Bunnies. Yes. I never even knew of a I'm sure Tom Hanks had siblings. I probably could have guessed that, but I never knew he had a brother. And then I go on this deep dive. He's like the greatest brother to Jim Hanks, right? Wasn't that his name? Uh yeah. So, Jim Hanks. Yeah, so he lets him like do like uh voiceover work for his roles. So that's a pretty cool connection. So yeah that movie that was your second was that the second thing you did that was my second movie and you know when i was on secret games i had never been on a film set before and and i I, they called me and they said okay your call time is 5 p.m you know it's a night shoot i was like okay what time do you think i'll be done and they said probably around eight and i thought that meant p.m yeah No, it was all the way in the morning. Uh, so that was my first foray into it. And then um, on Buford's Beach Bunnies, we had we had one night that was shot over three weeks. And I really learned about continuity then. And it was really, you know, I'd learned so many little lessons on each of these films. Yeah, that's funny. You know, don't do too many hairdos. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's true. Yeah. Yeah, don't don't feel like you need to change your hair in every scene because sooner or later there will be that day at the end of the shoot where it's just entrances and exits, and it's just your hair. You, I have no hair left. It's gone. It's been fried off. We did. We changed it so many times. Does somebody pay attention to that pretty well, or is it on the actor? Absolutely, absolutely. Um, now. I'm on some films where, yeah, the actor does their own hair and yeah. makeup. But mostly, if you want a quality film, you have a makeup and hair department. Oh, no, I know for that. But I'm saying, is there somebody that has like a Polaroid of you from day one? And yes. they're like, oh, absolutely. Oh, okay. Absolutely. Good. Your, your hair and makeup team, they photograph you every day. So it's like this look, they would check it every day and they would make sure that this curl always had this little thing and this little, you know, they would, you know, they do it several times a day. Now cell phones, they're just like, yeah, yeah. like crazy. It was, you know, when it was a Polaroid, yeah, you'd have the wardrobe department would have their own pol- set of Polaroids. Makeup department would have their set of Polaroids. Prop department have their set of Polaroids. Yeah. Every, we went through a lot of Polaroids. <laughs> yeah. Day. <laughs> no, I was like, as like a movie lover and there's a ton of people that love movies and watch them like Hawks. There's so many times you're watching you're like, Hey, that glass was just full. Yeah. But it's so hard it's, to match that perfectly. It's so hard. It's so hard. And everybody tries. And sometimes you realize that you messed it up and you just go, you know what? People live for finding that stuff. Let them find it. Totally. It's going to make somebody's day. Yeah. <laughs> I saw the water bottle. Yeah. Oh, the water bottle in uh, game. Was that game, game of, of Thrones? Thrones? Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. See that. I, that's something that doesn't fit. The one they of those things is not like the somebody. other, you know? Right. Yeah. I mean, it's like, you got to have one person. Like, your one job <laughs> is to just 
you know, because that's the that's the beautiful thing about filmmaking is that everybody has just one job. Yeah. And, and they are working to do their one job to the best of their ability and how everyone comes together to do that. It's always so amazing. And it's so many hands that are involved. It's insane when so you really think hands. about like one scene, like one shot. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. And the one thing that's so fascinating, like, again, you went out and Seeker Games, your first one, you get your sad card. But like right from there, you didn't stop working. Were you still uh, doing theater at all or you really had to give that up? No, I really, I really stopped doing theater yeah. at that point. It was just, you know, just audition and, and work and make stuff. And I was still in class and rehearsing scenes and doing that. Yeah, it, it, it went for a long time. I've had a long run. Yeah. No, like seven. I think it was like in 92, there was a handful. But then in 93, I think it was like seven credits and then eight credits. Not like every year there was something. But Night Eyes 3, I really wanted to cover that movie, but it's impossible to find. And that movie, wow. I think, is cool because Andrew, I really like Andrew Stevens and Shannon yeah, Tweed yeah. and Shannon Tweed's sister. Yeah. So I was able to find it like, I think like when I first connected with you a while ago and I could never find it again. But like, again, right in that run, you have all these movies that you're on the top of the call sheet. That's so cool. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I've had a very blessed career. <laughs> Do you have any moments from the earlier part of the career that you obviously from a really young age, you were like, I want to entertain. Was there a point that you're like, I could really do this. Like, was there a vote of confidence that you got from someone or in yourself after you maybe saw yourself on film for the first time? Yeah, I, I, I remember I used to do local commercials because I was with the theater group. And of course, there's always, you know, that's how you make connections in the small town. And I did local commercials and I'd see myself on camera. I go, you know what? I think I could probably do this. I think I have a shot. And... My grandmother was was sort of a bitter old woman. And she always said, now nah, I could have been. And I thought, you know what? I want to know what I could have been. I don't want to look back on my life and go, I could have been. I want to know. And I went, have I reached the pinnacle of success? No. I Ultimately, with my career, it's right around in this level. It's never going to reach this tippy top. But... I know what I could have been and I'm still at it. I'm still yeah. creating what I could have been. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. You, you never want to look back and say, Oh, what it could have, should have, you are putting yeah. your best foot forward. So you can never have, you know, regrets later in life. It's not a dress rehearsal. <laughs> Do it. Do it. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> what were some of the commercials that you did with just like local restaurants and like, Oh yeah. Local, like a local jewelry store and local, I think I did a lighting store. Yeah. Just local things when I was 18, 19. Oh, this was in your hometown? Yeah, in my hometown. Oh, that's cool. I thought it was that when you got yeah, to LA. I moved to LA. Nice. Oh, that's yeah, and cool. I, I, I tried a number of things. You know, I tried all the stuff I'm supposed to do, you know, have a business, uh, work at this job, work at that job. And I just thought, I'm never going to be this age again. You got to do it. Yeah. Just go to LA. And you did it. 
And then, so what was, so during this time, what, what kind of, were you were working or were you able to, to have a job, like a full-time job, part-time job? For a long time, I was able to, to, to make it as an Oh, that's great. I've always tried to really keep my expenses low. I was never making bank, but I was able to, you know, cover the rent most of the time. Yeah. (laughs) And And do something that you love doing. Yeah. Yeah. Eventually, you know. I sold clothing, you know, I sold, I, there are these things in Costco called roadshows. Oh, so yeah. I was a person who went around Costco and I would sell at roadshows. So it, would, it was sort of temp work. I did that for a lot of years. I did it with clothing and then I did it with blenders. I'm sure so many people, you have, you're so, you have such a face that you can't forget. I think it's your, I think it's your eyes because you can play a role and be like when I watched Jurassic City, you were like this very sultry, like kind of, I don't, I don't even know what you're, cause it really didn't show really what your character was. You were just guessing cause you were yeah. in a jail cell. It was just like, she's in the drunk tank. Yeah. Just in the <laughs> drunk tank. But then even in like watching uh mirror, mirror three, you have the, I don't know. Your eyes are very memorable and like very engaging. So I know if I saw you at a Costco, it could have been the late nineties or the two thousands. I'd be like, Oh, I knew who that is. Yeah, yeah, I'd hear it. I'd hear it a lot of times. Yeah. <laughs> now, so Mirror Mirror Three, just I, I thought it was pretty cool because I don't know when you signed on to do that one if they give you like the previous movie and say, "Hey, do you want to watch Mirror Mirror 2? Yeah, I, I they didn't give it to us, but I think I went to Blockbuster and rented it, and I watched it and I was like, okay, it's in. I wanted to do more horror movies. Yeah. Like, okay, I want to do a horror movie. And it was just the, it was one of the weirdest shoots I've ever been on. We had two directors. We were shooting in two locations. We would run back and forth between these two houses that were next door to each other. And, and it, it, it's, I just never felt like I was, it was just the strangest experience. Yeah. No, it, you can see that on screen. But the thing that was crazy when I saw that on your IMDb when I reached out to you, and then I was like, wait, Mark Ruffalo, again, Billy Drago, uh, David Naughton, and Elizabeth Baldwin. And then I'm like, let me see the previous one. Oh, no. And then I clicked on Mark Ruffalo's. I was like, this has got to be his first movie. Then I'm like, wait, he's in the second one? And I'm like, Roddy McDowell's in the second one? So it's pretty amazing that they were to get all these people. Yeah. Yeah. It really, really had a, a, a kind of an amazing cast. Yeah. And your husband in the movie, that scene, I don't know what director shot that or if any of the directors were uh, like good to work with, but that scene when they're shooting the guy in that like opening, it's in the first 10 minutes, but there's. I have to rewatch because I haven't seen it in 25 years. Oh, it's on, you can get it. It's on an app, it's on Plex TV. I could send you the link, but okay. it is crazy because the guy your husband is shooting a gun and each shot is a different gun sound effect (laughs) one sounds like a shotgun it's just crazy yeah yeah (laughs) but that's movie making i think that's so cool and i think you uh it was either on unique monique which i love that name for your website thank you I don't know if it was on there or on your IMDb. It was just talking about the the VHS boom. And I think that's so cool. There's so many of those movies that got made 
that were made to go into the VHS store and get rented. Yeah. And um, some of them turned out to be amazing and memorable. So it's cool that yeah. you were part of that when you were coming up. That was that that time. Well, when I grew up, uh, before I moved to Los Angeles, I worked in my parents' store. They had a convenience market, ah. convenience store. And they they rented videos there. And I remember going over as dad would be buying videos to, to have in his store and he'd be looking at the books together and he'd point out like the Shannon Tweed movies and he'd be saying, these are where I make my real money. It's like everybody comes in for the blockbusters, but the blockbusters only come out on this day or that day. You know, this was back in the eighties. Yeah. I was like, so that these, these B movies, I can move them around on the shelf. And when people come in, they're like, yeah, that's great. So that's where I make my money. And so I always knew when I was doing B-movies that I was helping some somebody's family, that somebody's parents were making money that way. That's so true. And it was the box cover art. There are so many movies that I rented as a kid for my local video oh, store. Yeah. They were just so great. It was like they spent more money on the box cover artist than the Boss movie. Man always had the greatest box covers. Which one? Full Moon. Oh, Full yeah. Moon. Oh, yeah. Yeah. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yes, and you worked with them down the road, right? You worked with them. Yeah. Those thirteen, thirteen movies—they're full moon, right? Uh yeah, yeah. Well, those are the, Dave Dakota yep. does the thirteen, thirteen movies, and he's great fun to work with. And the first time I worked with Dave Dakota was on a full moon film. Oh, okay. I interviewed one of his uh, sound guys. This guy, Audio Andy. I don't know if he worked on that movie but he worked on a lot of the david movies i don't know if he worked on any of those 1313 movies but yeah i know he loves working with david but it's all about he is a i i guess it is in the now filmmaking but the get it done fast yes you know yes just because you can make a movie fast doesn't mean it's the best way to make it that is true it's true Three days is not enough time to make a film. No, it's not. And it's so many. It's so funny that some of the movies that I, I really enjoy, like I know you work with Jim Wynorski on a, a couple times, a few of his movies, he did like a week. And I'm like, that's insane yeah. to think about like all these like kill effects, like all within a week you were able to shoot that. Have you seen Papatopoulos? No. Papatopoulos is a documentary made about Jim Wynorski while we were making one of his three day movies. Oh, cool. I got to watch that. So yeah, it's a, uh, it's, it's a fun documentary. Cool. I talked to Jim and uh, no, he was uh very interesting. I love him. Oh, I do too. He's a character. Yes. And he, ha- he calls me on my birthday every year oh. and has for 20, 25 years. I mean, he would do that before there was Facebook. He's that kind of guy, but you're right. He, yeah. he is a character. Cause some of his answers 
uh, some of the stories i'm like wow <laughs> i feel like he's like in this character of this guy that i don't want to not the word bitter but some of his stories that he had like just working with like some companies <laughs> yes exactly yep <laughs> so when did the so obviously that first movie you did your your manager said this will be the only time you're gonna have to do those type of scenes and then yeah and then when did it start i don't know if it was showtime or cinemax like those type of movies that you started working with like i know you worked with beverly lynn a lot who's great who she's done a yeah, bunch of other beverly movies too so when did that happen that you like linked up with that well you know, I, I started, I did a lot of the erotic thrillers in the early 90s. And in the late, the late 90s, early 2000s is right when a lot of the channels, they started wanting to be more competitive with, with hardcore porn. And they wanted to try to bring in a lot of the women who did hardcore porn into more of these, you know, erotic things without considering that they're really not actors. Yeah. And so it didn't, there's a lot of really poor quality stuff that got made. I don't, I don't have a judgment against hardcore porn. I think a lot of the girls who did it thought it would make their careers better. Yeah. I mean, a lot of, a lot of girls who enjoyed their career in hardcore pornography thought making a softcore movie would make their careers better. And I don't, I don't think they enjoyed working on them. I think they had a much better time working in their chosen genre. I'm sure. <laughs> you know, it, it's a lot of times they felt really uncomfortable with some of the acting scenes, but there was this push at a, with a lot of companies to just try to bring in something that was going to be a harder edge. But I think that ended up sort of tanking the whole sort of erotica industry you know, as far as that sort of soft core thing. Yeah. Because um, if people want to watch hardcore porn, they're going to watch hardcore porn. And, and soft core is not going to satisfy them. <laughs> generally. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then they just started creating a bunch of really bad soft core movies that were not good and not sexy and not entertaining. And so people stopped watching them and then people kind of stopped making them and it sort of died off. So that was sort of like, you know, that's my decade and a half of the sort of erotic thriller arc. Yeah. <laughs> <in a few> <laughs> uh, no, I think you're right. Cause it seemed like that's what it always was. And there was one that you like, you were like the host of one, right? Wasn't there one that you yeah. were like, kind of like a host and you presented a story or. There was, there was one, it was, I'm trying to remember exactly, it was Playboy, it was for Playboy. Yeah. And it was, there was a reality TV show and I was a host and Greg, Greg O'Rourke was my co-host and it was presented as sort of a comedy, uh, people send in their own home videos, you know, one of those, help me out here. Like America's Funny Home Videos like that? <laughs> Yeah, like America's Funniest yeah, yeah. Home, home, home Videos, but with sexy stuff. Yeah. And you know, when we auditioned for it, that's what they showed us as far as content. When we showed up on set, when we, we shot our wraparounds, we had this sort of like sterile 
studio environment. But two of the other hosts, like one of the other hosts was a hardcore porn performer. And he would be like interviewing people and then the camera would pull back and he'd be having sex with them. <laughs> and it was like, okay, wait a minute. If, if I am in a show with somebody who's doing this, then people are going to think I'm going to be doing yeah. this. And, and I don't want to go down that path. That's a fine path if you want it, but that's not my path. Yeah. I'm going in this other path. So I bowed out of it. Yeah, I don't blame you. Jesus. How do you not, yeah. how do you like try to pull a fast one like that it's going to be shown in front of the person? What's happening? And then it was, it was, I, I, I don't know, was it Beverly who took over? Uh, they, they continued after I me. I don't they, remember. They hired but, somebody who did yeah. a great job with it and was very successful. And, and it was terrific. I just chose to, you know, you have to be careful about how your career is handled. And I just, I've done so much of the software stuff yeah. that I really have to be careful about walking that line and keeping it away from that because, you know. No, yeah, no, because there's obviously, yeah. I think it's more of like a taboo thing. Like people would be like, somebody could turn out being a, a great actress and it's like, oh, but you did this thing 10 years ago. I can't get an audition for a network TV show. Really? I can't get, I don't go up on pilots. They don't bring me in. I. It's like, I don't exist in that world. And they know who I am. Oh, I know. That. I'm sure they I do. Get in. So that's why I'm super excited to now be doing Lifetime movies. Yeah, that's great. In fact, I felt one premiering tomorrow. Which one? Is it the one with Sean? Or is that coming out next year? The Killer Ambition? Uh, killer ambition. Nice. That'll be tomorrow. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah, I'll tweet about it. But yeah, I interviewed Sean, Sean Kanan, and I know uh, Lindsay Hartley's directing that. And those movies are yeah. great. Like that's and that's what I was gonna say. Like when you're in the game for a long time, not a, not a long time per se, but it's so it's cool. You a long time. No way. You're ageless, really. It's, but no, and you had like the v, the VHS boom. And then I think now, I think with the streaming, I think with the lifetime and all these networks, I think it's like such a great time to be an actor because you're going to have that opportunity to work. Yeah. Yeah. There's so much, so much content being made right now. And I'm, I'm doing, you know, I do this crazy comedy uh, sort of web series on YouTube. So that's a whole different kind of filmmaking and it's, it's fun and freeing and exciting in a different way. And then working on the lifetime stuff, we have so many different opportunities now. And what I think is really exciting is that for a lot of actors who are getting started, they don't have to be in LA right now. You movies are getting made all over. So just actors should submit, you know, you don't have to pick up and move to a big city. You can work where you're at and they'll bring you in for the show. Yeah. No, I think I think it's so cool, and I think the another thing is like that gap. Like maybe in the eighties and nineties, if somebody wanted to make make a low budget movie, I feel like when you look at it, there was a difference between the low budget and the not blockbuster, but even the mid range. I feel now with technology and the fact that you could use like that new iPhone Pro and it could look like you're filming something that is like Scorsese worthy. It's insane. Yeah, yeah, it's it's really amazing what people can do now. 
So when did you link up with Lifetime? How long have you been doing the Lifetime movies? That's been recent. Cool. I did I did one Lifetime movie a few years ago where it was a small part um, where I was a grandma. It was right when I was first in my going through my gray hair transition. Nice. And one of my one of my things now is I'm all about trying to portray women who are not grandma. Not that there's anything wrong with grandma roles, but because a woman has silver or gray hair, she she's still more than a grandma. Yes. So I'm always trying to do, you know, grandma roles great, but we got that. We got a lock on that one. Now let's go get all the doctor parts. The doctor parts. You know, let's go be senator. So I, I did that one and I just, I had been auditioning and auditioning and auditioning and it just, it wasn't clicking. And then Killer Audition they reached out to, or killer, killer ambition. <laughs> they reached out to my agent, my print agent. And she reached out to me and she's like, do you want to even consider this job? There's not very much money at it. I'm like, no, acting doesn't pay much money. Yeah. <laughs> I do the print work to make money. And then. <laughs> oh man. Where was that? Was that up in, uh, in Canada, in Vancouver? No, we shot that here in Los oh, Angeles. Oh, nice. Yeah, we shot with, it was a COVID compliant set. We were masked and, and very, everything was so safe. And that's really, I, I'm sure you've had other people talk about this. COVID compliance really jacks the, the budget up on a movie. Yeah. It, it adds 25% to the budget. And it's really hard to, to spend 25% more money that you're not going to see on the screen. You know, that's not better costumes, better makeup, better lighting, better locations. It's just testing um, and and masks and all of that stuff. So it was really challenging working in a film like that. Uh, But they did it. They did a great job. I was really impressed. They worked really, really hard at it. That's great. Do you get to see it yet? I haven't seen it. Oh, that's even better. I'm going to see it along with everyone else for the first time. Oh, that's really awesome. No, I, the whole COVID thing, I talked to Brian Thompson when he, he has a role in uh, tragedy of Macbeth. And he said he was the first, one of the first, I'm sure somewhere in the country, somebody was shooting. He was like one of the first films to get back after COVID. And he was talking about like, everybody's in like these hazmat suits, like the people testing. And then he goes, it's so weird. I pull up to the lot and I'm parked in, they did all the testing in the everybody loves Raymond stu- like old studio. So he's like, I'm walking in and it's just like how serious, obviously it is serious, but it's crazy. 25%. And if the, if the, obviously the, if the picture of the show doesn't have that extra funds, maybe it can come out of the quality in some cases, yeah. I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. It was, um, we shot, uh, a glass of revenge in Virginia because we didn't have to be quite as COVID compliant there. Yeah. Uh, and it was a little easier. We basically took over the hotel and we took over every space and we lived in our little bubble. And, you know, we, we wore masks when we'd be out and about, but when we were filming, we all were in our little safe little bubble. <laughs> it was wonderful. It was really fun. That's great. That's so cool that you linked up with them. Cause I, I feel like a lot of people I've talked to that work with lifetime. It seems like they'll want you back in 
and back. Like it's like one of those things that they like you. I sure hope so. Yeah. You know, they, they, it's just, I would love to be working on Lifetime movies regularly. That would be super fun. You know, they've got, they've got drama. You yeah. Do stuff. Oh yeah. No, the, yeah. the, my wife loves those and I, and my mother really loves all those shows, but no, I, I just think it's so cool. I love the idea of just content being made because somebody's working and somebody is either getting their first job or they're continuing their career or even at the, the, at the end of their career and they're still able to work. And that's what I love about it because you don't get in this business for like the money because it's so rare to make it like the percentage yeah. and the people, yeah. the number of people that actually live off of it, you do it because you love it. So it's cool. The yeah. more content, the more streaming, the better. Yes. Yeah. I'm, I'm here for it. Yeah, I'm here for it. <laughs> so when did you, well, so you worked with Jim Wynorski on a couple of films? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, back in the nineties, Jim Wynorski has um, a fetish, as you may know. Yeah, I do know. Yes, I think most people do. Yes. And I am not in that world. So uh, he didn't didn't use me on a lot of his films. And I knew why, and he knew why, and he knew why. Yeah. So we would laugh about it. (laughs) Um, But then eventually, when he started making his little short, you know, short little shoots, Oh, he brought me in and it it was, I had just lost a part. I had just lost out on a part that, that hurt me deeply. And, uh, so I, and right at that time, Jim called and said, Hey, you want to do this thing? And I was like, yeah, cause I need the little, the little emotional boost. Yes. And so that's how I got on the one that was Papatopoulos. Oh, so we, we shot inches of Brestwick. Yeah, and while we shot the pictures of Breastwick, uh, Clay Westervelt was there making the documentary Papatopoulos. Wow, what was that like being on a film and in a documentary at the same time? Do they pull you aside and say, "So how is it working?" Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Literally, it'd be like in the middle of lunch, like, or you'd be sitting around waiting between scenes, and Clay's like, "Hey, can I talk to you for a minute?" Great. I gotta, I gotta find this tonight. Yeah. Oh, you're, you're gonna love it. You're gonna love it. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> I ate it. I ate everything about it. Oh, that's so awesome. <laughs> so about, <laughs> so you mentioned a little bit about like your YouTube, and when you turn, when you just got to the point that you're like, I don't want to dye my hair anymore. It was that coincide yeah, around the I, same time? Okay. It, um, six years ago, uh, it was 2015. And I, I, had, I had found myself living in Arizona because a breakup, a blah, 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 life choices. One thing leads to another. Next thing you know, you're selling blenders in Arizona and you're like, this is not the life that I want. Yeah. And... I decided to come back to LA and you know, when you come back from Phoenix, you got to make some changes. You're you've been in Phoenix. There's got to be a a rebirth. And I just thought, I think this is the time I'm coming back to acting and I really want to be serious about it. And I, I have looked the same for so long 
with red hair or blonde hair. And I had a lot of gray. And I was, you know, I would look at it every every month and think, you know, maybe, maybe that's maybe that's a good color for me. Let's just find out. And I, I was 50 years old, so it wasn't like it was a midlife crisis or anything like that. <laughs> <laughs> I pretty much shaved my head and then let it just come in. Wow. I cut it super, super short. I left a little floof on top. I bleached it out and then I colored it and I colored it gray and then just let it grow in from there. I was like, let's just see what happens. And you showed up in town and they're like, oh, Monique, where were you at now? And I want to, so many people had so many opinions about my gray hair. I'm sure. People were so upset about it. I had men I went to high school with who I haven't spoken to since then sending me messages on Facebook. I'm telling this, I'm telling you for your own good, you need to go back to red. This is terrible. It's a terrible life choice. Don't do it. Like, dude, I haven't seen you since you were smoking blood in the back of a pickup truck. You know, on the way to the beach. I, I don't, so please. <laughs> People had really strong opinions. And so I took my hair off and it's growing in. And as I'm living with this very different color on my head from anything that I had lived with, I didn't know what colors to wear. I didn't know what clothes I should wear. I didn't know how I should do my makeup. I got magazines and I flipped through the magazines and there's no women there with gray hair. So there's no advice for women with gray hair on how, how we're supposed to make ourselves look good. So I thought, well, I've been in the business a long time. I've learned something about makeup. I've learned something about hair. And I will just play on camera and make videos and put on makeup. And sometimes it'll be good and sometimes it'll be not good. But we'll all learn something. And doing that, I, I started to, to get a, a following. And it's up to about 285,000 now. And a lot of women have chosen to go gray because of that. So it's, it's exciting that, you know, I made this change for myself, but I'm trying to also represent how, how all of us look in the public eye because society keeps telling women they're old all the time, especially with gray hair, especially with wrinkles. And I have such a, a, with my entire history of, you know, being sexy, I thought I could really change people's opinion about what it is for a woman to have gray hair. Yeah, Monique was awesome. There was like, she was so kind. She hung on for like 10 minutes after my power went out and just like waited because I was running in the house trying to figure everything out. But man, I loved hearing the connections with B movies for her that her parents owned a convenience store that rented movies and her dad explaining like, these are the ones that people rent. I can move them around the store. They see that box cover and they rent it. Like that's where he made, you know, his money years later, she's in those movies. So that was a cool connection. Again, uniquemonique.com, her YouTube channel. I'm going to put the link in the notes as well. And it's on her website too. And then also Killer Ambition with her and Sean Keenan, Lifetime Movie Network. Check it out. 
And your homework, Mirror Mirror 3, The Voyeur, it's on Plex TV. And like I said in the intro, I'll put a little best of clip thing on our Twitter page. And that's at sequels only. And that's it. Happy Valentine's Day. Tell someone you love them. That's all that matters, especially in the crazy times. Crazier world that we live. Just tell somebody, hey, I love you, man. Make sure it's somebody that you know, because that can be a little weird. Just walk up to the, you know, grocery clerk and you're like, I love you. They're like, oh, oh, security. But yeah. So don't forget to review, rate, share our podcast, follow us on all social media at sequels only. And don't forget to check out our website, sequelsonly.com. Good night.